Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Amateur Podcast. Today, I'm talking to Beverly Kessie and Paolo Ferrari, hosts of the weekly podcast, Authentic Feelings, a show that tackles difficult to talk about issues such as jealousy, singlehood, and aging. So on today's show, we're going to learn how to deal with our emotions. Beverly and Paolo, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Ryan, for having us. That was quite an intro. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to be able to talk to you because I'm a big fan of your show. And um, as I was telling you before we started recording, I think it's, it's really cool how, how open you guys are about talking about difficult, uh, difficult feelings that everybody experiences and difficult situations that most of us go through in our lives. So I'm just curious uh, to start off, what, uh, what made you decide to start a podcast and what, what is the thinking that went into the Authentic Feelings podcast? You want to take this one, Paula? I think so. Bev is very passionate about podcasting, so I think she would be a good one to take this question. Um, so I started listening to podcasts podcast about two years ago and I really loved them um and I just thought you know all these people are doing this so why can't I and I had thought of different like kinds of shows to do and none of them it was just it wasn't landing and at the time I was living with Paulo and every time we'd have a conversation be like why we need to record this like we need to we need to record this because people would find value in it and um so then I finally got around to asking Paulo to be like my partner in creating this show. And I also honestly feel like Paulo has so many insights to share with people and he brings such a different perspective to like life that other people just don't have. And I felt like he had a wisdom that like, I mean, when I talk to him, I take notes because he's just so like wise. And so I just thought people would get a lot from, from him. And so I asked him to kind of partner with partner up with me and he generously said, yes. That is wild. Um, I feel like that was a very, speaking of generous, I feel like that was a very generous description of me. I value my own perspective on things in life for sure, but it's definitely not a one way street. I just think, Beverly and I have built a dynamic where we're very candid and honest about where we stand in our feelings about things. And that became our kind of norm in terms of how we talk with each other. And I think we also realized that that's not necessarily how everyone approaches conversations with each other, but I think it's a, um, a way to remove the hesitancy and shame that might be attached with being candid about how you feel about things so we saw that we were doing it and thought maybe other people would be responsive and receptive to that kind of candid approach to feelings as well cool um yeah well the the chemistry between you two definitely comes through on the show as i was saying before so uh no surprise that you had that going already so I'm, I'm curious how that developed. Did, were you living together for a long time? Were you friends for a long time before you started the show? And, and how did you develop that relationship where you could talk about anything and, and be open and honest with one another? Yeah, we've been friends for a long time. It was a one-way friendship that became a two-way friendship. Um, <laughs> so we met in high school. My recollection is that we met uh, in grade 10 at a friend's birthday dinner a few years later, Bev remembers meeting me. Uh, 
And then from there, we discovered we were going to go to the same university. And then it grew into living together and seeing that we both had this um, passion for um, discussing things candidly with each other, whether it was opinions on TV shows or movies or our perspectives on dating and feelings and personal relationships. And we actually our first stab at something like this. Don't say it. Say it. We actually like started a little YouTube series in 2010. So pretty early on in, in like things being on YouTube like that. Um, I will not say the name because it's still floating around out there. We don't remember the passwords to like take it down. Um, but it was our takes on like reality shows social norms like having a positive attitude that kind of stuff and we just sat there in our apartment and our roommate filmed like holding the camera filming us so it's like shaky and we just talked and it's not in essence not that different than what we do now Mm -hmm. it was just with the the wonderful unawareness that comes with being 20 years old Um, so that was our first dabbling into it and then we continued to live together in university ended up again living with each other uh, in Toronto years later. And that's just developed the friendship more and more. And so that that tendency to have candid conversations about feeling has just been growing and growing and growing from there. Mm-hmm. And we, we have seen each other go through really tough times. And, and I think that builds closeness because when you've seen, you know, people go through like hard times, failures, successes, triumphs, you, you just, you're connected with them. So we're very interconnected with our stories. Um, And we've just really been there. Like, I mean, when I think of the most profound moments from when I was like 18 to now, Paulo has been in all those, you know, those profound moments in my life, whether good or bad. And so we have that deep connection with each other, which I think is what, when people listen to the podcast is what they, um, is what they hear. Mm -hmm. So you guys are pros. You've been doing this since 2010. Wow. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, uh, one thing I wanted to talk about on this show is emotions, just because there's something that everybody deals with. Everybody feels them. Hopefully everybody or almost everybody. (laughs) And um, they, I I feel like they, they go unnoticed a lot of the times or their effect on our lives is a little bit under underrated often. So Mm -hmm. I guess my, one of my, first questions to you is what effect do emotions have on our lives from my perspective I feel like it dictates everything in a very apparent way or unapparent way it can be um, our knee-jerk reaction to something that happens to us something that's said to us positive or negative the emotion we feel right afterwards can dictate how we respond to it mm-hmm. so it can be that that first thing that comes to our head that ends up dictating what we do next can be because of a, a positive or negative emotion to something happening around us, or it can be that underlying thing that's um, affecting us in a short or long-term way as well. It's kind of like emotions can be that, that app that's running in the background of our phone that's draining our battery and we have no idea it's running. Mm. We can have that apparent obvious action and reaction from emotions we're feeling, or it's something that, is at the back of our mind it's in our gut but we're not addressing it and it's still affecting us in a physical or mental well-being as well and 
without that, without being used to checking in on that kind of stuff, it can have those effects. It can affect our energy levels. It can affect our mood. It can affect how we interact with other people without us realizing that it's doing so. I, I agree. And I think it's about, I mean, understanding your emotions is about being self-aware and it's something that we're just not taught growing up. You know, a lot of people are just not taught to be aware of their emotions and how their emotions affect their actions. And so, I mean, Paul and I are, I feel like we're two people who are very self-aware and we're, we often um, analyze how our emotions affect the actions that we do in life. And so for me, I think emotions can be something that it's a driver, whether you know it or not. And so if it's something that's going to drive you, you might as well know where you're going and, and, and it's important to be aware of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing I heard recently that kind of relates to this is something that has become sort of a, a trend among tech CEOs now is they keep a decision diary, I think it's called, where they track, they write down how they were feeling when they made important decisions and then go back and, and check that. And I think that kind of just speaks to an awareness of how it, how impactful emotions are on our decisions and, and our day-to-day lives and things like that. And I, I definitely, uh, I like how you talked about being self-aware and how important that is and checking in every once in a while, checking in on how you're feeling. So uh, I'm curious, how do you think that develops? Do you think that develops organically or do you have to work on it? Do you have to? I think you have to work on it. Um, I'm a big supporter, proponent of therapy and therapy has been something that has helped me kind of regulate my emotions and how I feel about things um and so it's something that you have to work on because like any skill in life being emotionally aware of yourself allows you to do the best you can in life and when you refuse to acknowledge your feelings and and your emotions what you're really doing is standing your own way and stopping yourself from kind of living the life that you were meant to live. But it takes time and it takes work to understand yourself. And it's, it's a, it's a constant ever evolving thing. It never stops. Like, you know, if you're making a decision and it turned out to be negative, well, what were you feeling? What, what, what was going on in your mind? And all emotions are normal. They're all a part of the big human experience. And so you're not the first one to feel it. You won't be the last person to feel it, but you, you are the most unique person feeling it right now at that moment in your specific experience. And no one can tell you what that feels like except you. So it's important for you to do that work and look inwards, whether by, you know, asking for help and going to therapy or, you know, if you have supportive friends and family talking about it, but you have to do that, that work yourself. Mm. Absolutely. I think that addresses a huge thing that can come with introspection of there's a lot of judgment that comes with that. When we look at what's going on within ourselves, we can judge ourselves for how we're feeling and how we're acting. And Mm. it's not to say that everything you do is perfect and doesn't need to be, um, reflected on and potentially changed or working towards bettering, but you don't need to judge yourself for feeling a negative emotion. Acknowledging that it's there is a, is a great way to process it, digest it, and then work towards bettering yourself or moving on for it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the idea of like, we're scared to turn on the light in our bedroom because we know it's a mess in there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Whereas keeping the light off doesn't make it not messy in there. It's just, we are mad at ourselves that we've let it become a mess. So it's, it's about uh, having the conviction and the willingness to turn that light on, see the mess that you're facing and then work towards cleaning it up. Mm-hmm. Because like, even with that analogy, turning it off doesn't mean you're not gonna, you're gonna trip. You're turning off the light. Yeah. It means that you're just going to trip. You might, if you're going to trip, you might as well see what you tripped on, right? And so that's that that work. Even if you don't, if you can't do the work of cleaning it up, having the light turned on allows you to see what's in the room, which helps you navigate a yeah. bit better. I love that metaphor too. I think uh, I think that's uh, that's uh, definitely a great uh, way of looking at it. So it starts with that initial decision of turning on the light and seeing what's inside your room, and that obviously takes a lot of courage. And a lot of uh, maybe self-motivation, self-discipline. Um, once you get over that hump, what sort of work is involved in in sort of under, better understanding the layout of your emotions and and what you need to do to help them work for you? I think if you're me, you, you'll cry a bit. <laughs> <laughs> you'll cry a bit, but I think. It's about, when, once you turn on this metaphorical light, it's about maybe just sitting down in the mess and just like taking it in, having a good cry, thinking about things. And then just every single day, even if you can get one thing off the floor, if you can put one thing away, it doesn't have to be all of it. But if you can just start doing that work of like dissecting what you feel, because a lot of the things that we struggle with as adults are things that stem from our childhood it, it takes time and sometimes you'll figure one thing out and you think you're you, you got it and then a few months later a year later a few years later you realize it's connected to something else and so it's about doing that work you know about doing that work a little bit at a time you don't have to do it all at, at the same time and there is no time limit to self-improvement to acknowledging your feelings to working them out there's no time limit you go at the rate that feels comfortable for you but you just have to go. You just can't, you can't stop. You have to go because once you start acknowledging yourself and what makes you feel or doesn't feel, what you realize is you stop taking out your anger on other people mm-hmm. or you start to stop, you stop to, you stop taking out your anger on yourself and letting that go is so freeing because you know, you've worked through yourself that if somebody upsets you at work, instead of like going at them, you know, Oh, I'm, I, my first reaction is to go at you, but that's not what I should be doing. I need to sit back and reflect. And so it takes time, but everybody can do it. And sometimes, as I said before, you need help from other people and there is no shame in asking for help. I wouldn't be where I am. I'm still learning. I have so much learning to do. I, you know, I wouldn't be where I am if I hadn't gone to therapy, if I'm, I'm still in therapy. And if I wasn't reading self-help and self-improvement books, like, I wouldn't be where I am. Absolutely. I think a really important part of what you said that should be reiterated is it's not, there's not a time limit on it. It's not a point of hitting perfection for all that growth to hit your life and enrich your life. Mm -hmm. Every little step you take will positively impact how you interact with the broader world, how you interact with others, how you view yourself, how you talk to yourself, how you see yourself. Every little step will help in how you, um, go about life so it's not about waiting till 
all the heavy lifting is done and then you'll see the benefits. You'll continue to see it because all the heavy lifting will not be done ever. Mm-hmm. If we could like just have put a time limit on shitty things happening to us in life and then like by the age of 15, all the shitty things that are going to happen to you will have happened. And then that's it. Then it's just about unpacking it and healing from it and moving on. No, but the act of continually um, working to unpack the shit you're dealing with a little bit by bit will continue to enrich your life, even if you end up getting to a point that not everything was ever fully unpacked. So true. And and at, at first, it starts with acknowledging it maybe and, and reflecting on it. But then at some point, you have to open up and start talking to people about it and start asking for help and um, and reaching out to others. And I find that's something that's difficult for a lot of people to do. Why do you think so many people have difficulty talking about uh, what they're going through and, and asking for help when they need it? Shame. Yeah. Shame is a huge, huge part of it. We've, and it comes from a lot of, a lot of different areas. We rarely have something, we rarely have interventions happen to us when shitty things happen to us to let us know that what has happened to you is not your fault mm-hmm. and that um, the healing from it is not going to be all on you and that what happened is not part of your identity. And the, as we process shitty things that happen to us, we tend to internalize it and it becomes a part of our fiber. And for that to happen, but for us to f- also feel as if we had nothing to do with it or that it wasn't our fault or that we shouldn't carry that forward is really hard to do. So there's a lot of shame that we attach to what has happened to us and then you have the broader world which might shy away from you candidly talking about what you've experienced as well so you might get courageous enough to share something that's happened with you and then you have to manage the ex um, the responses of the people you tell Um, if they don't give you a reaction that's completely nurturing and validating that can feed into how the shame you already feel regarding what has happened I totally agree. Yeah, uh, definitely. So what advice would you give people who are having difficulty opening up about their their feelings? I mean, like what Paula said, it's like you have to start detaching that shame from yourself. And that's a lot of work. And and I don't want to pass through that and pretend that it's that's a huge bulk of the work. Um, and I think it's understanding fundamentally that you are worthy and that you have value and that you are an important person. And I think a lot of the stuff that we struggle with when we're, when we're feeling shame or when we th- we're feeling that it's hard to talk about something is that we don't feel like our, first of all, we don't feel like our experience is worthy enough, right? It's like, if we feel like we're suffering, we always think somebody else has it worse, right? We're always comparing other people's you know, badness with our badness. So it makes it hard when you feel like you just had a really shitty day, but you're like, well, somebody around the world is going through a tougher time. It's like, then it kind of makes it go down when really what you need to do is just like, don't compare yourself to other people in terms of good or bad. Because when you do that, you're never going to win, right? You're just never going to win. And so once we start once we start to stop comparing ourselves and then once we start to detach shame and those are things that may take you time but once you start to do that it's easier to pick up the phone and call someone and be like hey i'm going through a tough time but even when you've done that work it's still sometimes really really hard to share your like share what's going on in your life with other people Mm -hmm. and so 
it's for me, it's always about practicing self-compassion and understanding that like what I'm going through in this moment is a, it's a human experience. Like people have felt it before me, people are currently feeling it and people will feel it after me. And once I connected to the human experience, I think what it does for me is I no longer start to feel that shame with it. And I can easily, for me now, I can easily reach out and be like, I'm having a really, really, you know, like hard time. Like, I mean, you know, when we, before we recorded this, I, I cried to Paulo about something. And so it's like, you have to allow yourself to, like, I think you feel so much better when you say what's on your heart and what's inside. You just feel so much better. But when you keep it in, keeping it, keep it in, what it does is just bottles up. And then you just, you get in your own head and you start to retreat, you start to distance. And that's when the trouble starts. Absolutely. Bev and I kind of like to say this thing where it's like, sounds mean, but it's like, you're not special. And we mean it in a way to not make people feel bad, but more so to make people feel less alone about some less fortunate circumstances they might be in. Because there's a lot of isolation and struggle and realizing that you probably are not special enough to be the only person to sit with that feeling of struggle or circumstances of struggle and that can give you a bit of courage to share to maybe maybe you're the first one in your social circle to lead the way regarding sharing your emotions but that can do a lot of good with others you can start to think um, what would have been good for me to see in others to help me feel okay about how I'm feeling you can lead the charge in that way or you can if you want a little aspect of control in your life if you can ask yourself, what do I need to say or express to start my healing? That's a good way to ask yourself rather than what do I need from others? What do I need to hear from others to heal? That can leave a lot of things up to the control or <laughs> of others. If you ask yourself, what do I need to say or express to feel better and take away some of the onus or the responsibility of healing you on others, just, hold it yourself and ask yourself, what can I say or express to help my healing? Not what do I need to hear to heal can be really powerful as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I uh, love what you guys both said first, uh, Beverly, how you how you talked about how it doesn't feel good when you keep things in and, and when you don't let them out and, and it's going to lead to some, some bad stuff. Possibly I've been there. I've been, uh, in bad situations just cause I've, I've kept things in and, um, uh, one of my favorite Spanish learns to word to Spanish words to learn was uh, uh, this word desahogar, which means to undrown. Because and that's that's how they talk about vent, like the way we say to vent in English. They say undrown because it sort of expresses that that uh, feeling where all the bad stuff, all the emotions are 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 kept in, and you you feel like you're drowning. And then when you finally get them out, you you let it out, you undrown. Um, mm -hmm. So I love that. And uh, Paolo, I, I like how you talk about uh, looking at it from the perspective of um, what, you, what you need to hear and what, what you would want to hear from someone going through what you're going through. And I think that's, that's a very, very good way, way to go about it. And also understanding that, that what you're going through is not like uh, anything that special. Probably other <laughs> people have been through it before. Um, so uh, I, I'm wondering what, uh, how should we go about 
finding people to talk to and then talking about our, our feelings. Is there, do you have any advice around that, around how we should maybe identify people that we can talk to or, and then once we do, how we can start that conversation? Um, I think like we're no experts, right? We're just like regular people who just like have just learned to be in touch with our emotions. Like I, I we're not experts, but I think what helps is like, at the beginning, when you're trying to, when you're starting to come to terms with how you feel, it might, it might be really hard to tell other people, right? And so I think if you can afford it, going to therapy is a really great way to start because then you have somebody who, you know, they're an expert, they know what they're doing, they're knowledgeable, they know how to get things out of you. And plus it's like, you're paying to be there and somebody's going to focus on you and help you. So I think if you can't tell your family, if you can't tell your friends, then going to therapy is a really great way to start because most of the time therapy will also help you unlock the things that are hard for you to talk about. And then it becomes easier to, a lot of the things that make us, make us feel bad is we can't express our needs, right? Like if somebody hurts us, we can't tell them they hurt us because then we feel bad for telling them or we don't feel valid enough in telling them. And so therapy can help validate your experience, your feelings, your emotions, which will strengthen you to be able to open up. So I always recommend going to therapy and speaking to a professional because it's a place to vent. And then it's also a place for somebody to help you work throughout your shit. And then for you to go back into the world and use the, the techniques and the tools that they have taught you to kind of combat the things that come at you at life. Absolutely. Um, and I think part of that as well is before you maybe share, just asking yourself what you hope to get out of the interaction. Do you want support and an ear listening or do you want advice? Cause people can mix up the two. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people's first instinct when they, when you have someone sharing is to offer advice, but mm-hmm. ad- leading and going straight to advice doesn't necessarily make the person feel heard or validated. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas something like therapy can be very strong in the being heard and validated realm. And people can sometimes be frustrated with therapy because they want to be told what to do. So there's not one right way to go about it, but asking yourself what you're hoping to get out of it is important. If it's advice, maybe you have someone that you know in your life who has gone through something similar and they can be really strong from the advice perspective. Um, maybe you have people in your life who haven't gone what you've gone, haven't gone through what you've gone through, but you know they're a good listener and don't necessarily um, try to inject their perspective into a conversation. That can be great from just feeling heard. So asking yourself, what do I hope to get out of a conversation can be a great start before actually looking at who should I be going to. And something like I've, I've realized lately is what I'm trying to kind of use is when somebody comes to me and they're talking, I want to ask, do you want sympathy or do you want empathy? Uh-huh. Like, you want me to feel, because sometimes when you're talking, like if you're frustrated about something, you just want somebody to feel sorry for you because you're just so frustrated about it. And then, which is sympathy, but then empathy is like when somebody feels with you and acknowledges and validates your experience and says it's a human experience. And so sometimes you're calling, you know, I call my friends just to vent. I'm like, hey, I'm calling to vent, which is like a cue for you just to agree with me and feel sorry for me. And then when it's something where I feel like oftentimes I always want empathy when I feel like I'm sharing a story that has a little bit of shame attached to it. 
And so I'm really lucky to have friends in which I can go to with that and get the sympathy or the empathy that I need or to be able to vent out what I'm feeling or what is driving me up the wall that day. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's a very well-rounded approach, I think. Is there... um... Is there anything we should do when people come to us with, um, with when they want to talk about how they're feeling, what they're going through? Is there anything we can do to sort of help help them understand what they want, whether it's empathy or sympathy or or whether it's just a vent or uh, how can we help them understand what would help help them? I think a little thing that can be actually a bit difficult to put into practice and a bit underrated is to just check in with someone first about how they feel about a situation they're expressing to you rather than maybe imposing a bit of how you would feel if you were in that situation or how you would respond. So maybe someone comes to you and expresses like, I just went through uh, a breakup and I'm processing it. If you lead with, oh, that's so shitty. Like, I'm so sorry. And start that party. Maybe they're actually feeling conflicted and some positive emotions attached to it. And Mm -hmm. Even that leading with that could make them feel a bit hesitant to share the mixed bag of things they're feeling. Mm -hmm. Or if you just let them set the stage of how they're feeling about the situation they're in, it can help you navigate their emotions with them. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think, um, as Paula said, having that person dictate their path in that conversation is really, really important. And I often like people be like, well, what should I do? And then the question I ask is, what do you think you should do? Mm -hmm. Right? Like it may not, it may not seem like, seem like a helpful question, but often people need the same, the questions that they're asking to be asked to them. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. like, what do you think you should do? And then you can slowly, if they want, kind of guide them to something that works for them. But the point of any conversation when a friend comes to you upset is you, it's not your job to, fix it like it's not I think once you make it your job to fix it that's where the failure comes like it's not your job to fix it your job as a friend or a family member or whatever is to listen with compassion and empathy right and to validate whatever they're feeling so if they're feeling angry about something to be like I can see why you're angry that is a very like upsetting situation right Mm -hmm. and sometimes people need their feelings validated and they they don't need you to fix it because oftentimes then if you go into a pattern of always fixing things for them, then they don't do the work for themselves. But no one, like everybody loves a a listening ear or a shoulder to cry on or somebody to support them. So just be that person to support them rather than the person who's gonna fix it for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that asking them open-ended questions about how they're feeling, what they think they should do. It seems so simple, but often we kind of get caught up in, in the, the urge to help or, or maybe have our own baggage that we're dealing with and, and we're kind of associating our own baggage with, with what they're going through. Um, so yeah, that's, that's great advice. Um, I'm wondering, talking about talking about our emotions with other people, I'm wondering, is it always appropriate to tell people how we're feeling if they're involved in some way in that feeling? Like if my wife makes me angry or maybe not my wife, but uh, my friend makes me angry or my sister makes me angry or my, my, um, my other sister makes me feel bad about myself. Do I, should I always talk, tell them about this or is it not always appropriate? I, I think, I mean, 
I'm going to quote Brene Brown on this, but I think Brene Brown always says, like, you have to talk to people who have earned the right to hear your story, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you can't just go and tell your feelings to everybody, you can't be vulnerable with everybody. That's not the whole point of it, right? So you have to, the people within your circle that you fully trust, you can share however you feel. Because if you fully trust them and they trust you, what you say can always be worked out. It can always be, you can always figure it out because hard conversations are a part of any relationship, right? And you need to be able to have those conversations. And I think that when two people are involved in a situation, so let's say like I have a brother, if my brother gets me angry about something or a partner gets me angry about something, when those two people, when two people are involved in a relationship, I can't control what that person feels. And if my aim of a conversation I'm going to have with them is to find a perfect solution, it's not going to happen because when two people are involved in a situation, you can't control the outcome of it, right? So you have to be brave and courageous enough to walk into that conversation knowing that it may not end the way you want it to end and feel okay about it, right? And that's the part about you know, acknowledging emotions is like you're angry, let's say you're angry with your partner or your brother and the, you, you end up fighting with them and they say, well, I'm not changing my position. I'm not budging. You have to figure out how to live with that and being okay in that and validating your experience for yourself. Because if you're looking for somebody to agree with you and how you feel, it might not happen. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, you know, you're just setting yourself up and that person up for failure. But I think it's always important that when you feel if that relationship is important to you, whether that's a family relationship, a friend, partner, work, if it's important to you, then whatever um, issue you have, it's important to address it. Mm -hmm. I agree because it can definitely eat away at you. And it's one of those like emotions don't those those deeper ones don't just disappear. You know what I mean? We can have things that pop up in the moment, but the deeper ones don't disappear, especially when it's involving circumstances or conflict with someone close to us. I just would say as a caveat is to maybe not launch into exactly how you feel without warning, because often most situations in which deeper, more complex emotions arise from that are harder to talk about, usually there's not one person who's wholly right and one person who's wholly wrong. It's probably been a bit of a mixed bag situation where two people have stepped in ways that they maybe shouldn't. So just because you're ready to have the conversation doesn't mean they are. Mm. And checking in with them to see if they are prepared to have that conversation is important because they, they have their own bag of emotions that they're, they're dealing with as well. So for your own sake, you might not get the conversation you want out of them if you spring it on them rather than do it at a time that you're both ready to talk about it. And then from their sake as well, if they are in the process of processing their emotions and you um, expose the wound a bit, it could end up causing a lot of emotional bleeding that they're not ready for either. So in terms of both well-being, just having that check-in first is important. And it gives the respect to your emotions that you deserve to like, it deserves to um, acknowledge that like this might be a bit heavy, what we're going to talk about. Let's make sure we're ready for it. And that's something I've had to learn myself. And I'm, I'm, I'm learning that because I'm the kind of person that if I feel something, I want to talk about it right away, right? Like I just want to talk about it right away. But it's important to give like that person time, right? To like, if you're feeling something, you can be like, text them and be like, hey, do you have time on Thursday night to talk about this, this, and this? is that okay for us to do that? And if they say yes, that gives them time 
for them to prepare, for them to be emotionally ready mm-hmm. to come to that conversation. And then my, for me, when I do something like that, it causes me anxiety because I'm just waiting <laughs> and I'm going to get it right, like over with. Mm-hmm. But learning to do that is so important because I think for me, what I had to learn was I wasn't respecting the other person when I was bringing that on them, right? But another thing to know is that not everything can be fixed in one conversation. Mm-hmm. It might just have to be like, we say what we think and we express our feelings and say, hey, let's digest this. Let's come back to it in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And uh, giving that room for that conversation to evolve is better than trying to fix it all in one go. Cause it's just, you can't do it all in one go. Totally. But we've talked a bit about how it can be difficult to have discussions about emotions. At least that first go opens the door for that kind of conversation. So that revisiting it at a later time is easier because you have had that initial attempt at it. So anyone listening who might, struggle with the expression of emotions and talking to people about it after that first go you might find that bringing it up again and again could be easier and easier which is exciting and i think the onus is on the other person like let's say if we're in a situation where like paulo comes to me and says this is what i'm feeling the onus is on me to be like if it comes up for you again please let me know and let's talk about it which is really hard to say right like i haven't fully learn how to do that yet. But being like, if this comes up for you again, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's great advice. You're absolutely right that um, we don't like to leave things lingering right after a conversation. We expect everything to be solved, but that's uh, <laughs> probably not, doesn't usually happen that way, right? But um, you're absolutely right that we, that starting that conversation is is important and that's that's how you get the ball rolling and hopefully it, it goes in a positive direction maybe it doesn't and maybe that's okay maybe that's for the best and i think it's also important not to to consider the other person as well that's uh, i love what you said there because it it just shows that you have you're not only thinking about your own emotions you're thinking about how the other person or the other people are going to re- react to it or, or are going to take it and um, that takes that takes a lot of empathy to to do that, especially when we're in the heat of the emotion and and we're feeling all the things and and you know we want to just get it out. I'm the opposite uh, that, to you, Beverly. I just hold it in. I hold everything <laughs> in, and then uh, it it comes out inevitably some at some point, and it's not pretty. So I'm I you know I've learned or I am still learning to deal with 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 that and to to be more to talk more about how I'm feeling and to, and to talk more about emotions and, and that sort of thing um, because uh, holding it is, isn't good either. Um, so let's uh, switch to a uh, positive focus now. If so, it's, let, let's say we do start to get into the habit of talking about our feelings more and we're understanding our feelings more and, and, and being honest with ourselves and other people, what are some of the benefits that we can start to notice in our lives once, once we do that? I have found um, it, it it affects me in a lot of great ways. Um, it enriches a lot of the relationships I have or allows me to continue to attract positive relationships. When I approach what I'm feeling with um, a sense of validity and conviction to it. So rather than I can be <laughs> like you, Ryan, where I stay a bit um quiet about how I'm feeling or bottle it up or I'll probably try to use every method of processing it before actually having a conversation with someone else who might be involved with it. 
Mm-hmm. And that does attach a little bit of a feeling of, <laughs> am, is it valid what I'm feeling if I'm, if I can't seem to bring it up with anyone? So um, getting in the habit of expressing it can let you feel a bit more confident in that spectrum of feelings that you have, which is a more authentic version of you. And when you can bring your whole self to your relationships, you end up attracting more enriching friendships, romantic relationships, a more enriching relationship with your family as well, because you're not hiding parts of you. You're bringing your full self to you. And then the people who gravitate towards that are going to naturally be more long-term fulfilling relationships because they're seeing the broader spectrum of you, not the parts of you that you're able to Mm -hmm. keep up for a little bit. And that's something positive I've seen for sure. When I've been more honest with how I feel with people, they aren't running away in the way that I maybe thought. And then that um, makes me feel like they know me wholly more. I agree. And I think it's like, I think the positive aspect is learning to validate your own emotions, right? Like a lot of the work is you having to validate your emotions and understanding to detach shame from it. Um, and if it, and also like, once you work on that, you know what you need when you come under emotional stress, like, you know, like if you work on it, you'll know that like, okay, if I'm feeling stressed in this area, I know the person to talk to, I know what to do. I like, it helps you kind of like strengthen the tools that you have to deal with issues when they come up. And so that's one of the positive things for me that has, you know, working on my emotions and going to therapy when I feel angry or sadness or, or like anxiety, I have the tools to deal with it. And I know the people to turn to. Totally, like shorter recovery times and an awareness of warning signs so it doesn't get to that more extreme state as well. Mm-hmm. And we just feel better when we talk about things, you know? It's like what you're saying, that Spanish word where it's like un- drowning, it's, all, it, it's like coming up for air. Mm-hmm. The things like when we, when we are stuck in our emotions, what we do is like we feel like we're not breathing and no one ever says I feel worse after I freely talked about something. And I always, for me, I always feel so much better when I can express my emotions and having, building that support system, that community around you, that the people who have earned the right to hear your story and and those people are really important because you can call them and be like, this is what I'm going through and they will listen for you and to you and, you know, help guide you when you ask for that help. So I guess it's like uh, going to the gym, right? Instead of building your muscles, you're building your emotional resistance muscles or however you want to think of them. Yeah, that's uh, um, true. So um, a, part of, a part of that involves looking at ourselves and seeing some things that we might not like. And it's, it sort of goes back to that bedroom analogy where we turn on the lights and we see like a bunch of stuff that we're not, we don't like. And, um, maybe that's one of the reasons why we don't like doing that. We'd rather not see it. Um, so how do we accept those parts of ourselves that we might not like, whether it's a tendency to feel jealous or to get angry quickly or something like that? How do we, how do we accept that? I think for me, I always talk about the lower self and the higher self and, like the lower self for me particularly is my I'm petty I'm vengeful I get annoyed quickly I 
I act without thinking I'm, I'm unkind on my lower self and my higher self is the opposite of all of that. Mm-hmm. And I think what we can acknowledge the darkness in ourselves. It allows us to like see the darkness in others. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, when I know that like, so, and again, it's like about connecting to the human experience. So that's how I see things. It's like, I know that I'm not going to be my best self all the time. And I'm not going to be my best self in every situation. There are situations where I'm like, I should have acted better. And if I can apologize to that person, I'll apologize. But there's times where like, I'm just like not my best self. And so acknowledging that you are multifaceted, that you're going to have days that are, you're going to be the best version of yourself. You're going to have days you're going to be the worst version of yourself. And understanding that when I'm the worst version of myself, I'm going to practice compassion. And when I'm the best version of myself, I'm going to practice gratitude. And so for me, that's how I kind of deal with it. Totally. That, that aspect of being kind to yourself is so important because when you fixate on your judgment of having these negative attributes or characteristics, then you may end up feeling as if you are stuck with them mm-hmm. and your, your identity is fixed and nothing can change about it. And so there's no opportunity to better yourself if you get stuck on the the judgment of what you're experiencing. And, and like Bev said, like she can be petty is petty her identity or is it things that um, she does sometimes? There's a big difference between that. When you see yourself as these negative characteristics and they're inescapably part of your identity, that's going to be a hard thing to work past, to grow comfortable expressing yourself and feeling like it's okay to feel negative emotions because you aren't those negative emotions. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. I think it's important not to see ourselves as being that, that petty person or that jealous person or that angry guy. Um, it's just, uh, uh, how, how we act sometimes, how we behave. Everybody has those higher and, and lower selves. Um, and I guess the good thing about turning on the lights is we do see the higher self as well. We see, uh, the good things about us that, that, that we, we probably knew all the, all along, but, uh, but didn't, didn't notice so much. How can we cultivate that higher self? Do you think it's possible? Can we, can we bring those qualities out more? For me, how I deal with it is that when something happens, what is my first reaction, right? Like if my first reaction is just tear somebody down, then that's a sign that I need to step back, right? Like, and so I, I try to figure out what is the first feeling, the first emotion that I get when I'm in a situation that I feel threatened or I feel uncomfortable in, or I feel like unsure about. Um, and we have this in our, you know, our friendships, our relationships, our work, um, work relationship is that sometimes when we see other people doing well, it makes us not feel good, right? And so what what are we going to do about that? What is our reaction to that? And then how can we take a step back? It's always important to take a step back and reflect on your emotions before you act. You should never, I think, in my own personal opinion and experience, never act on something right away. Always think about it. Whether good or bad, always think about it. Because doing that, you kind of start to strengthen that muscle of your reactions, 
um, and of your emotions because the, like it guides you, your emotions guides your actions. And so if you're feeling negative about somebody, you might want to do something to tear them down or to stop them from, you know, achieving something. And when you feel good about somebody, you might want to create all these things for them. Right. And positive feelings are amazing, but it's important to acknowledge what your first reactions are, take a step back, analyze it, and then take, take action. Absolutely. And taking that stock of everything I think is huge, especially for cultivating a higher self, because if you can get to that point that you're able to recognize what's happening when you're a higher self, it can help you to replicate it in future situations. So recognizing those moments where you really feel like you're in flow, like um, you're hyper invested in what's happening. And you're also maybe really good at what you're doing in that moment. And you feel like things are going perfectly kind of like in Harry Potter when he drinks that potion and things are going wonderfully for him in that kind of situation you can take stock of physically where am I um who have I interacted with today who am I interacting with right now what have I eaten today what what has been going on with me lately you can start to look at the different aspects that are going into that moment of higher self and maybe as you keep taking note of that in the future, you'll start to see common things that seem to contribute to your higher self and then start to seek that out because that is something that is just a positive attribute or aspect of your life that can help make you that really good person that you're hoping to be. Yeah, we've been, we've been talking a lot about internal factors and, and behaviors and patterns. And I'm wondering if part of dealing with our feelings involves recognizing and maybe changing or removing external environmental factors that may be having a negative impact on how we feel and our emotions. So um, is, is that a part of it as well? And, and what does it take to kind of recognize those things and, and remove them or change them? Absolutely. Like we've talked so much about how much can go into you processing your own emotions and, you know, building a muscle to help with your reactions and um, reframing to see things more positively and feeling like you can grow. And that's all just within you. You have every person who's maybe going on that journey and to think that if they are handling things a bit differently than is compatible with you, that that's not going to affect you is, is not the case. To act as if it's completely on you or your fault when circumstances around you aren't great or um, when someone treats you in a way that doesn't make you feel good is not fair because they are the master of their own domain and making their own decisions as well. You do yourself a disservice when you don't take note of something repeatedly that um, causes negative things to happen to you. Mm -hmm. And I think it's okay to take yourself out of the situation of external factors when they're not working for you. I think if you have if you have friends or family members that bring negativity to your life, there's no shame in just being like, I'm not going to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Right. Sometimes we have to have the courage to understand what's best for us and what's best for us is sometimes not dealing with people who bring negativity into our lives. And we have to be courageous enough to say, we're not going to participate in that. And that can be really scary because a lot of our worthiness is attached to our family and friends. But if, they're questioning your worth and they're making you feel negative about it, then you have to do what's right for you and remove yourself from that situation. Yeah. 
Absolutely. 100%. And I, I guess um, sometimes it's people, sometimes it's situations, right? A lot of people have find themselves in difficult work situations that they might mm-hmm. not have in control over entirely. And, and I guess at least kind of recognizing that, that it's not entirely on you is sort of the first step to, to uh, changing the thing in your life that needs to be changed. <laughs> yeah. Imagine it was all in our control. Like how wild life would be if everything was in our control. It's so powerful, right? We can just yeah. flick our, do a Harry Potter thing. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't know what the reference there is because I never got into Harry Potter. <laughs> I'm sure he had something that uh, that magically made things improve. Now it's better not to. So it's totally fine. Yeah. Um, okay. La- one last question, guys, if that's all right with you. Of course. Right. Um, last question is, what advice would you give your younger selves to help help uh, 20-year-old Paolo or even 16-year-old Beverly or what, whatever age? What advice would you give yourselves to help help uh, younger yous deal with emotions? I would give 16-year-old Beverly the advice to go talk to Paolo. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's something I'm like, if I could go back, I'd be like, we should have been friends from grade nine. Yeah. Um, I think, um, I just think I would tell my younger self, like, it's okay. Like, don't worry too much about it. You know, I think when you're a kid, you worry so much because you don't even know what you're worrying about, but you're just worried. You're worried that people will like you, if you'll fit in, if that boy likes you, if you're going to get into college or university and looking back, you just realize the most important thing is just to love yourself and to accept yourself. And that is something that we just don't do when we're young. And so I would tell myself, my younger self that like, you know, you know, you're worthy and you're valuable and you're a good person and it's okay. It's okay if other people don't like you and, you know, just have fun, have fun. Like, don't worry about anything. It's going to be okay. Have fun. Wow. I think mine would be a little different. It would, again, rather than an advice, I think I would have just given my younger me just like an insistent ear. Like one, like emphasizing for my younger self because well, one time, like I'm here to listen, offer, younger me would not have taken that. I would have been like, I'm good. Thank you. But to have been consistently like I'm here whatever you want to talk about and just said that over and over and over and over again until I caught the me in the right moment who had enough resources to be courageous I think I would have had a lot to say that would have helped me process and heal from some more negative experiences and emotions I think being young you're just I find that the thing that you don't know when you're young is a lot of things that you're worried about just don't you won't worry about it a year from now, five years or whatever. And yet there being young is really where we form a lot of our attachment to shame. And I think that's why parent it's so important for parents to help their children do the work of not attaching, whether that's their weight, their sexuality, their feelings to shame. Because shame is that one thing, Paulo says, like, once you confront shame, you can't, like, it it, it just ceases to exist, right? And so a lot of the things that we deal with, I mean, for me, a lot of things I dealt with was all about, like, I don't feel good enough. I don't feel like all of those things. And 
having somebody tell you that you are good enough, that you are worthy, that you are valuable, that like there's something wrong with you, which I mean, like that's a big one. So I think that's what I would tell myself. There's nothing wrong with you. (laughs) Blanket statement. There's nothing wrong with you. Have fun. And I think saying that would, would be very, very helpful. That's such great advice. Um, I wish I could go back to my younger self, 20 year old or 15 year old Ryan and, and give him all that good advice. Oh. And uh, he could have used this podcast and, and he could have oh. your podcast authentic feelings. So, so thanks so much for joining, for joining me today and having this conversation. I feel like I've learned a lot and, um, and it was a lot of fun. So thank you. Thank you, Ryan. This was like really huge and exciting for us as well. Like we're really grateful for this opportunity. Like your podcast is so important um, to get so many different perspectives on different people's lives and what they want to share. And, and learning is a huge part of life as well. So being able to turn to a resource like this to learn from many different people who've walked many different walks in life, I think is huge as well. So we're really grateful that the podcast exists and that we were able to be on it too. Yeah. And you've like made one of my dreams come true. I've always wanted to be a guest on a podcast. <laughs> glad, glad I could do that. And Paolo, what you just said there, that's going on the podcast description or, or, or like a promo right there. So <laughs> amazing. It's true. It's so true. All right. Well, uh, have a good night and uh, we'll talk again soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Believe it or not, talking about feelings is not something that comes easily to me. So thanks again to Paolo and Beverly for sharing their wisdom. Be sure to check out their podcast, Authentic Feelings, and follow them on Instagram at Authentic Feelings Podcast. You can follow this podcast at AmateurPod. The website is AmateurPod.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts, feedback, or episode ideas. Don't panic. 2020 is almost over. Have fun, stay curious, and remember, there's a teacher in everyone you meet.